thank you, Priscilla, and thank you for coming. Looks like we have a fairly good-looking class tonight. So we're going to take our Bibles, and we're going to turn to the book of Salvation. That would be Hosea. Hosea means salvation. Joshua means salvation. Jesus means salvation. And so we're going to talk about how Israel is going to be plunged into uh, God's judgment because they refuse God's salvation. <laughs> so tonight, uh, as we move along, you can see in the outline that I had uh, graciously provided for you that uh, last week we talked about what was in Hosea chapter 1, and we got into uh, the restoration of Israel's future. And we said a little bit about uh, how Israel has uh, been uh, carried off into captivity. And for 70 years, they were under God's correction. And then God, out of his grace and mercy, brought them back to their land. And they remained in that land for a few hundred years. And until the Romans came in and divided up their land, but still allowed them to be there until 70 A.D., and then they were scattered again. And they remained scattered for some 1,800 years. And now they're back in the land again. I want to ask you a question. Do you know of any other country that's ever done that? That was exiled from their land, completely moved out, and other nations moved in, then eventually they came back and took that land over. And then they were moved out again, and... Uh, for 1,800 years, this time they <clears throat> were not able to get back in there until finally in our day and time. In fact, uh, I think uh, it was somewhere around the time I was born that Israel was recognized sovereignty, was able to fly the Star of David. Uh, there's never been a nation like that. And what's interesting is all through the Word of God, God prophesied that that's what would happen. And God has prophesied that once again they will be driven from their land and he will put them in a special hiding place. And then he's coming back three and a half years later after he's put them in their hiding place and bring them back into their land and he will reign over them as king of kings and lord of lords. And uh, we can see that all happening. We can see what's going on over there in the Ukraine with uh, Russia. Uh, moving over and wanting to take over that part of the world. The rest of the Arab world is surrounding Israel. And uh, we're living in very troublesome times, very interesting times. And I would say very exciting times. And so Hosea gives us a little hint of all those things as we move into chapter 2. Here in, in uh, chapter 2, we could divide uh, this study into four different uh, sections, we will, actually more than four, but this morning from our study with verses 1 through 13, we'll deal with four different sections. We'll talk about Israel's <clears throat> charge of uh, whoredom and uh, God's indictment that he's going to bring upon them for that, and then how they sought to justify themselves from the charges that God has brought upon them. And how the Lord uh, will bring about a hedge of thorns because of their attitude. And then we'll conclude by looking at uh, verses 9 through 13. Uh, 
God's punishment is always very severe when we come to a place to where we provoke him, to where he removes his mercy and his compassion. And certainly we don't want to go there. But notice in verses 1 through 3, we have Israel guilty of their charges. We are told that... <clears throat> that uh, Gomer is a picture of Israel. Her hardom is in reference to Israel's sin. Notice in verse number one, he said, Say you unto your brethren, Ammi, and to your sister, Rohamah, plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her, therefore, put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breast lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. So we see first of all God makes it very clear that he has broken his relationship with Israel because of Israel's idolatry. And God paints Israel as an adulterous woman. And God calls upon the children of Israel, Ami, meaning my people, and uh, Ruhamah, meaning mercy. So God is pleading with the people of Israel. God is pleading uh, that they would show mercy and cry out to the leaders of their nation to cry out for repentance, uh, that the people would humble themselves before God and that they would cry out before God and ask for forgiveness for the sins of their nation. And uh, perhaps if they were to do that, God would forgive them. Kind of sounds familiar with 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 14, where God once again said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Uh, we could certainly say that America is at a place to where perhaps God is crying out to us, as Ami, the Christians who he calls his people. And he's crying out, Ruhamah, uh, that we, the people of God, would have uh, some compassion and love and some mercy upon uh, the people and upon the wickedness uh, and the judgment that God is going to bring upon this nation. And we would cry out and we would ask God to bring forgiveness and and show mercy, and that we would, as a nation, repent. And yet, uh, the children of Israel failed to do so. And I wonder how many of us pray that God would show mercy upon Israel, that we recognize that we are his people, and God is going to bring a judgment upon the nation that we, his people, are a part of. But as we understand, Israel refused. The people refused to cry out to God. The people were just as much involved in the sin 
of uh, the nation as the leaders of the nation were involved. And so therefore, God has made it very clear because of their lewdness, and because of their wickedness, uh, that God uh, is going to bring judgment upon them. They've come to a place of true immorality. Idolatry and immorality seem to be hand in hand as far as God is concerned. And uh, there are so many people out there that worship sin, they worship sex, they worship everything but God. And we're living in a day and time where we see that there's more and more <clears throat> laws that are being passed to protect uh, the whoredom of this nation and uh, laws that begin to countermand the word of God and silence the Christians in speaking out about God's morality and the wickedness that is going on in the, this free sex society. So notice again, he says, Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteress from between her breast. Her breast here imply that she had purposely set out to entice uh, the sin of whoredom throughout the land. Uh, that uh, <clears throat> you know, she had purposely set out uh, to lure people into the sins uh, that she as a nation is guilty of. And uh, I think that we see that going on in America when we light up the right lighthouse uh, in the rainbow colors representing the free sex of the GLGBTQ movement. And I've said this before, and I think it's worth repeating that that whole uh, <clears throat> acronym, as we would put it, uh, it represents immorality. A gay lifestyle represents an abomination against God. Uh, lesbianism represents an abomination against God. Uh, transvestites represent an abomination against God. Uh, when we think of uh, those uh, that are trying to change their sex, as we understand uh, transgenders out there that uh, want to have their genitalia removed or try to add genitalia to their body. I mean, that's all. Excuse me. But that's where we're at today. And that's what they worship. And my wife and I, when we were in Israel, we saw some of those old pagan idol temples with genitalia still plastered on the walls. And that's what they worship. It's, it's all about uh, sex. It's all about immorality. And so we light up the White House. Uh, we have been Canada now, laws that have been passed are throwing preachers in jail uh, for trying any kind of conversion therapy and trying to bring people out of that lifestyle. It's a crime now. If you, <laughs> I know some of you think, oh, preacher, that's an exaggeration. Check it out. It's a law. It's a law. Uh, <clears throat> uh, C40 or C4, a Commons Law 40, had, was passed just a few weeks ago. And so preachers can be fined up to $100,000 or put in prison for up to five years for conversion therapy. Preaching and trying to encourage people to repent of uh, their ungodly uh, 
activity that God calls immorality. So God says that because of that, I'm going to bring about judgment. I'm going to strip you naked, and I'm going to bring famine to your land. You know, we think that everything is always going to be good for us, but it will not. Unless America repents, there's going to be a time of judgment unlike we've never seen before. So Israel's whoredom is not only going to result in destitution, it results in death. Now, we've got all kinds of diseases out there that are sexually transmitted diseases that bring death. And uh, they think, well, we keep coming up with cures, but people are still coming down with AIDS. People are still dying of AIDS. And people are still sick with AIDS. It's still spreading. And eventually God's going to raise up some kind of sexually transmitted disease that will be a lot worse than this COVID. But will they repent? No, they're not going to repent. If you read Revelation chapter 9, verse number 20, the Bible says they will not repent of their fornication. So again, we read in verse number 3, And she had set her as in the days that she was born, and God says, I will make her a wilderness, and I will set her in a dry land and slay her with thirst. So, well, we know that happened to Israel, but that will never happen to us. Well, we don't know that. When we look at history, nations have risen and fallen, and uh, we know of many nations that have not lasted, and God has brought them down. Rome, tremendous empire. Where's Rome today? <laughs> I mean, when we think of the Italians, uh, we don't consider them an empire anymore. And so <clears throat> we think of the Persian Empire. What are they today? Uh, we could wipe them out in just an hour's time if we wanted to. Uh, same way with Egypt. Egypt is not a world empire, but at one time they were. And we have many nations that existed back then. They don't exist today. And so America one day will no longer be. I, I honestly believe that Isaiah 18 could very well be prophecy concerning Israel. But that's another story. So <clears throat> Israel's whoredom that is recorded in the Word of God is noted for our admonition as we see in Proverbs 7. Notice in verse number 10, the Bible says, Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. We're told in verse number 26, For she had cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. And, you know, we still have politicians. We have uh, news anchor men. I remember what's his name that was anchored this morning news on, uh, uh, was it CBS News? Was it, what was his name? It was on there for years. Come to find out the guy was, you know, <clears throat> involved with uh, certain women there in the staff of CBS, and so they fired him. We, you know. Pardon? No, well, probably him too. Probably all of them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't Tom Brokoff. 
Anyway, don't think, don't even, let's just erase that from your mind. I want you to keep your mind on this message. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, you know, even in this corrupt society, if they don't like them, they go after them, you know. That when someone like Bill Clinton, we'll leave him alone. You know, he can have his party with the teenage girls up there on the top of his roof. But, um, you know, old Bill, he's okay, you know. But uh, you go after someone else, they'll go after them if they don't like them. You know, if there's some stinking rotten liberal that agrees with the GOGBTQ movement and, and believes it's all right to kill unborn babies and kill babies as they're coming through the birthing canal and believe that uh, Christians are terrorists and that, uh, <clears throat> and that we need to be labeled as terrorists and and we need to be watched, and the moment we do anything that is considered suspicious, we should be jailed. And by the way, what I just got through saying is very true. Uh, they are watching us, and we have been labeled, right-wing conservative fundamentalists have been labeled as a terrorist organization. If you do not believe that, check it out. Then as we move on to verse number four through five, we see that Israel sought to justify her charges, just like we see in America today. God makes it very clear that he will not have mercy upon the children, upon her children. For he said, they be the children of whoredoms, for their mother have played the harlot, as she that conceived them have done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. So her children represented the individual people of Israel who were worshiping Baal, worshiping all these pagan idols that had turned their back on God, that had polluted themselves with immorality and adultery. See, it was not only idolatry that was going on, it was immorality that was going on. Because all these temples that they were building were temples that they had harlots that were standing outside and they were offering their bodies unto these pagan gods, unto <clears throat> Astaroth, and unto the, the goddess of love. It was spreading all over, you know, you had the Grecian goddess. And they're basically all the same thing. And all this was going on in Israel, and they were taking their little babies that were born, and they were offering them on the altar of Molech. That was a big brazen altar <clears throat> that uh, was blazing red hot in fire, made of brass. It's in the form of what looked like to be a bull, and they put the the child upon the, the arms of that uh, brazen altar, and that child would be roasted alive. And then they take the, the flesh of those dead bodies and throw them in a place called Gehenna. It was a very wicked time in Israel. And God <clears throat> was fed up. And what are we doing today? I mean, you know, we, we offer our babies on the, bla on, on the blazing altar of collagen and vaccines. <laughs> Don't go there. Uh, 
And you say, well, preacher, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, you'd be surprised what they use as they experiment with various vaccines. Though it's all out there. We're not having a discussion. I'm <laughs> but uh, anyway, it is, it's a very sick world that we live in. America Amen. has declined to the point, I believe, of no return. Just, I, I would like to think that there could be revival, but I t I, I'm not sure that uh, we're at that place to where we can return back to a place to where God could bring his blessings upon us. Uh, there's so much hatred out there toward Christianity. It's going to take the wrath of God, and maybe the wrath of God will bring about revival upon this nation. But, you know, before that could happen to Israel, they had to be drugged into captivity. So, this is, as we understand, just as true today. You know, the devil always tries to offer you something that uh, he would try his best to convince you of that God cannot give you. You remember going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Yea, had God said, but God knows in the day that you eat from the fruit of this tree, you'll be as he is. So this is something he's not offering you. But if you will listen to me and if you'll do what I tell you to do, then you will become God's. This is something that God won't do, but this is something I can do for you. And he knows in the day that you eat of this tree that this, this is something that, that you can have. They were not content with everything that God had given them. And they used what God had given them to try to get something that they thought that Satan could give them. You know, the devil is constantly doing that. We go back to the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. He even tried it on Jesus Christ. We see that over in Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, beginning with verse number 8. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, they don't belong to him, they belong to God. God's the one that created them, and God created the devil. And here the devil's talking to the very person that created him, and he says, hey, I've got something you don't have, and if you'll worship me, I'll give it to you. And so God was giving them blessings. He was giving them corn. He was giving them meal. He was giving them gold. He was giving them silver. Under Jeroboam II, Israel had prospered for 41 years, and God's blessing was upon them because of their king. But what did they do with the prosperity that they received under Jeroboam's rule? I'm talking about the second Jeroboam, not the first. Second Kings chapter 14. What did they do? Well, <clears throat> they plundered it. America's been blessed, been blessed by what God has blessed us by our forefathers. We were founded upon godly principles, upon Christian principles. And now they want to completely cancel all of that out. They want to completely plunder everything that, uh, that God has blessed us with. 
And so rather than worshiping God, they would have us to worship. It's okay to worship Allah. I have no problem with Allah. I tell you right now, the White House has no problems with Allah. They have no problem worshiping the Hindu gods. Over there in India right now, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians that are being jailed and persecuted by uh, Hinduism. There are Christians that are living in fear and in terror and that have been beheaded because they refuse to worship Allah and, and confess that Muhammad is their great prophet. And we say nothing about the persecution of those Christians because after all, they're a bunch of fanatics. So they have no problem with this. They have no problem with bowing down and worshiping a big old fat man that represents Buddha. Buddha that sat under a tree and, and ate and wouldn't even move himself from that tree. They had to clean the feces out from underneath him. And while he was sitting under that tree for several months, all of a sudden he comes down with the enlightenment of eight tremendous purposes for life, and people worship him for that. And his statues are all over. Oh, yeah, we want that in America. We want Buddha temples. We want he Hindu temples. We want Muslim mosques, but we don't want Christianity to survive. That's where we're at today. So all of this is okay. Now we got this new religion, Mother Earth. We see the commercials. Take your people out to the forest. Wrap your arms around Mother Earth and thank the tree. The tree wants to hear from you. Talk to the tree. The Earth is alive. Mother Earth needs you to save her. <laughs> And, you know, people are swallowing that hook, line, and sinker. But God forbid that we stand up and say that there's a holy God that stands in heaven looking down upon the earth with anger and wrath because of the ungodliness and the unrighteousness and all the whoredom and the wickedness that's going on in the land. And if America does not repent, he's going to bring his judgment upon him. Shut him up! Yes, uh-huh. Well, you can just mark it down. There is a law of sowing and reaping. God said in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. So how foolish. They took God's provisions and offered them to something that was made by their hands that they call Baal. Can you imagine? They make these statues and they worship these statues. You know, remember <clears throat> Dagon, the fish god. <laughs> and they kept there, and you know, he's, he's fallen down before the altar or the ark of the Lord. His hands and his feet are cut off, and he's there before the Lord, and the Lord did that. But, you know, in our church today, many of our churches that are so-called Christian churches, we have to have the statues. We have to have the candles or we can't worship God. The paganism and the ungodliness and idolatry that has been drugged into the church today. 
God promised that his mercy would be taken from them. But out of God's grace, he makes it very clear in the last days that mercy will be restored. And God makes it very clear upon his people, while they're going through judgment, he'll show mercy upon them. You know, it's only by the grace of God that we are saved. I like what it says in Romans chapter 11, verse number 32, where God has concluded all of us in unbelief that he might show mercy upon all. You see, there was a time every one of us was in an unbelief, and by the grace of God, our faith was enlightened through his faith, and God was able to show mercy upon us. So we read in verse number 23 of Hosea chapter 2 that God says, I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy, I will say to them which were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say thou art my God. You see, there's going to come a time. Israel right now is a very heathenistic, atheistic, atheistic, I don't think there's such a word as atheistic, but uh, a very ungodly people who, for the most part, 80% of the Jewish people are either uh, atheist or they're agnostic, but most of them do not really believe in God. The, high, the Orthodox Jews do, but there are very few of them compared to the rest of the nation. But one day, very soon, God's going to convert the whole nation. And it will not be by us, it will be by God. God will fulfill his promise. God will once again <clears throat> pour out his compassion as he promised in 11 Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 22. God's compassions, God's mercies will not be consumed. They will not fail. They are new every morning. And there's coming a morning very soon in the land of Israel where God's faithfulness in his promise to Israel will be fulfilled. So when we move on to verse number 6 through 8, we see Israel's idolatry results in God's hedge of thorns. Notice in verse number 6, Therefore he says, I will hedge up thy ways with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her path, and she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. She shall seek them, but she shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. And then was it better with me than now? For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. You see, one day, very soon, out of the grace of God, God's going to remove that hedge of thorns that he's put around his people Israel. Now, there's an important principle here. What was God's purpose for the hedge of thorns? Well, it was to bring Israel to repentance. But you see, God does the same thing with us. Uh, God uh, hedges our rebellious ways up sometimes with thorns. 
Have you ever felt like everything you try to do seems to be wrong? Every door you try to open is closed. Every prayer that you offer up before God, it seems to be bouncing off from a brass ceiling. And you wonder what in the world is going on. Well, it's your attitude. It's your ungodly ways. Until you repent and get things right with God, He will not remove that hedge of thorns. You're going to have problems. And God's going to, every blessing you get, he'll blow on it. And it's like the, the chaff and the wheat all together just will be blown away. There's something in your life that needs to be repented of. I remember way back when my son Stephen was just a little baby. Our daughter Pamela was having all kinds of health issues with her sinuses, her adenoids and ear infections and and uh, Stephen, he was just a little baby with all kinds of issues. And the doctor was thinking, well, you know, unless we can fix this thing, you may end up losing your son. And everything was going wrong in, in our life. And it was all because of me. Because I was backslidden. I was drinking. I was doing drugs. And I was still trying to keep my family together. I was still trying to earn a living. We were trying to buy a house, but we couldn't afford the payment because of the drugs and the alcohol that I was spending my money on. My wife was constantly going back and forth to the doctor. She was not happy with the marriage. Her family was saying, I don't know why you don't divorce him. And so it, nothing was going right. And so we couldn't get ahead to save our life. But the moment I got my heart right with God, God removed the hedge. Blessings started coming. The income that I was making began uh, to flow in a greater way. Uh, the business that I was involved in, God began to open up new opportunities. And I was finding that uh, we were a lot more prosperous the children were healthy, and finally there was no more sickness in the family. We were able to save up money and buy a, a, a nicer home, and we were enjoying our life, and there was peace in the home. There was peace in our marriage, and the blessings of God was flowing in our lives, and we look back at that time, and those are great memories. It's wonderful when God removes that hedge of thorns. And so Israel, they found themselves trying to push open doors that God had closed, trying to move down paths that were filled with thorny hedges that were gouging them. And God will continue to keep that hedge there until they repent. And if they don't repent, then God says, beware. Notice in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 5, he says, I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break it down to the walls thereof, and it shall be trodden down. You see, not only does God have a hedge of thorns, but many times that hedge is a wall of protection at the same time. And God takes down his hedge, his wall of protection, and you're, you're now game for the devil. You're open. I mean, it's hunting season now for the demons and for Satan to come after you and destroy you. 
because you've been given over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh because you refused to obey God when he hedged up your way with thorns to bring you to repentance. But when our ways please the Lord, he hedges us up with walls of protection. And the pathway that he leads us down, they have hedges, but they're not thorny hedges so that our path can be directed in the way God would have us to go. And when we decide to go in the wrong direction, God begins to hedge us up with conviction. And we've sensed that conviction and we move back over to the right path. Have you ever been to that place where you're on the right path and you make a decision to do something that is against the will of God and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes convicting you in such a way unlike you've never felt before and you know that the Lord is talking to you. I mean, it's almost like he's screaming at you. And you say, well, I can't do this. I'm going to have to repent. And you get back on the path and immediately peace comes. Have you ever felt that? Can you imagine when you feel that and you, you continue to ignore God? And you just push and push and push until you knock down the hedge. And then all of a sudden, everything from this ungodly world comes after you. That's a scary place. And I can remember as a backslidden Christian, I felt so convicted, don't go into that bar, don't drink that drink. And it would go on for weeks, don't do that. Don't. And then finally, the conviction wasn't there. My conscience was seared. And I was at peace to go against the will of God. And destruction came. Everything began to fall apart. And then the moment I recognized that and got my heart right with God, then all of a sudden, God began to build up that hedge. We need to be thankful. You see, that hedge is an expression of God's love. And we need to thank God for that. Notice in Psalms 139, verse number 5, he says, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Thank him. Let me just move now to our closing remark in verses 9 through 13. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof, and I will recover my wool and my flax given to cover the, her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of my hand. I will also cause her myrrh to cease. Her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and her solemn feasts, and I will destroy her vines and her figs thereof that she hath. These are my rewards that my lover hath given me. I will make them a forest, and the beast of the field shall eat them. And I will visit upon her in the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels. And she went after her lovers and forgot me, saith the Lord. Wow, 
God makes it very clear that this is what I will do to Israel, and this is what he will do to America. God says, notice in verse number 10, and none shall deliver her. There'll be no way out. Now, what is true for a nation is true for an individual. Now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver out of my hand. My goodness, we don't want to get to a place. Now, that's why when a backslidden Christian comes, comes under the correction of God, about all you can do is pray for him. You can't do much more because he's under the judgment of God. The only thing you can do for him that will be a blessing is to tell him to repent. But what do we do today? We take these black slidden Christians and these ungodly people that don't want to repent that are under judgment of God and we hand them a check and we give them a ham sandwich and and, uh, we put them on food stamps and, and we want to provide housing for them. We need to, you know, I don't mind helping someone that's backslidden that's repenting of their backslidden. But no, I'm not planning on delivering someone from their slew of sinfulness while they want to remain in that slew of sinfulness. How can you deliver someone that doesn't want to be delivered? We find in closing that God makes it very clear what God blessed Israel with, Israel used to worship Baal. How sad. We find the same thing true today. God has blessed America and we have changed the truth of God into a lie and we worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. America's on a pathway to destruction. And God help us not to be found guilty of not praying for our country and praying for our leaders and begging God for repentance. I think of Abraham when God was ready to bring judgment upon ungodly Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Lord, if there is 50 righteous there, will you not spare them? And God says, yes, if I find at least 50 righteous. Well, Lord, uh, how about 45 righteous? Lord, how about 30 righteous? I, I believe when Abraham got down to 10 righteous, he thought, well, surely there's at least 10 righteous there. Well, Lord, would you spare them for if 10 righteous are there? So he stopped there. I wonder what would have happened if he went all the way down to just one. But he thought, well, there's got to be at least ten there, Lord. Will you spare them because of ten? Now, we need to be praying, Lord, please spare America for for the sake of the righteous. With every head bowed. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word and We thank you how Hosea just reminds us so much of our own lives and reminds us of what's going on in America today. Lord, as it was fulfilled in the life of Israel, we know that it will happen with any nation that forgets God. 
Lord, we ask that you would help us to come to that place to where we would want to repent. America would come upon her knees. And that we would have leaders that would call out for prayer and for fasting. Lord, for the sake of our children and our grandchildren, we pray that if you tarry in your coming, that America will come back to you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray for these principles that so easily can be applied in our own lives, that we would understand that we can come to a place to where there is no return. We can allow sin to so ravage our lives and our bodies and that our testimony is completely destroyed, that our health is completely gone, and that uh, we are now under your correction and no one is able to deliver us. Help us, Lord, to understand that it's serious when we allow ourselves to come to that place to where our conscience is seared and we are no longer troubled by those hedge of thorns that block our way. And we'd be so thankful, Lord, uh, for your deliverance and for your continued grace and conviction to guide us as we go through uh, these days of darkness. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all of God's people say it. All right. Well, thank you, and you're dismissed. And uh, Lord willing, if